Welcome to Language Chats. This is a podcast for language lovers in Australia and beyond where we share our experiences of language learning with you, as well as the stories of other Australians and a few international guests who love learning, working with and communicating using other languages. I'm Penny. And I'm Beck. And we'd like to begin this episode by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we're recording today, the Wadawurrung people and the Wurundjeri people, and we pay res- our respects to their elders past and present. And we are very pleased tonight for this episode because we have a guest joining us, Damien Bolton. Thank you so much for being here. It's lovely to be here. Um, We are very happy to have you. And before we get diving into all of our questions, would you mind giving us a little bit of a, a quick overview about who you are, where you're from? what your language particular interest is and then um, we'll, we'll get straight into it. All right. So, yeah, I'm Damien. Um, I am originally from Dubbo in New South Wales. I uh, grew up surrounded by pretty much zero language influence. Um, mm-hmm. I Probably the biggest two that I can think of were Latin because I went to a Catholic school and occasionally, like there would be some words that we'd use in common talk that would probably end up being Wiradjuri um, words as well that have come into English, but really nothing at all. Um, But here I am as a languages teacher. I teach Indonesian in a primary school in Canberra and like I love it. It's just, I don't know, my colleagues sometimes say, oh, when are you going back on regular classes? I'm like, never. never. I just, I don't know it too much. (laughs) And I don't know, I went from, like my story is, not having language at all and but always being fascinated by it um by do, i think it's usually the sounds so fascinated by different sounds and different ways of saying things and i don't know i can't explain it it's just been there and i've run with it and it's taken me some amazing places and let me do some great things so yeah Damien, I love your enthusiasm um, for for your work and what you do <laughs> um, in teaching Indonesian. How did you? Why Indonesian? I suppose is is the big question here. What what in, what inspired you and made you want to learn Indonesian and then eventually teach it? All right. So the continuation of my story is when I finished high school, I was lucky enough to go on exchange, and like most Anglo Aussie kids from the country, I was thinking, you know, I'd like to go to Europe. Um, but my one thing was I don't want to go – I did not want to go to an English-speaking country um, because I thought, what's the point? If I want to just spend a year talking English to people, I can just stay at home. Um, and so I was really – I guess I had my heart set somewhere probably on Central Europe and then I was already 18, so it ruled a few countries out. I don't know, maybe because it was already of the drinking age. I don't know what they're worried about. But um, I got when I got accepted, they said the country you're going to is Malaysia. And I went, mm, okay, cool. Um, where is that? And so I did a bit of a crash course on finding out about it. And, again, it was just completely life-changing. And I just I can't put it into words enough was able to reinvent myself in some ways or just realise that this was what I kind of really love doing and learning new things, meeting new people, having new experiences. And I guess I came back and Malay and Indonesian, a bit, a bit like Spanish and Portuguese, they're similar. They're not the same 
um, and they are becoming more divergent as well. And so most unis don't offer Malay, they offer Indonesian. And so I just went, well, it seems like an easy enough pivot. I just, my first year was just like, yeah, I can, I'll just wait for everyone else to catch up. Um, and it was great. And now that I got to second year and I didn't really, because I was very um, street language, like slangy, I had to, there were things that I found valuable in my first year as well, like lots of grammatical structures and some vocab differences that I was still using the Malay and finding out that there were differences in Indonesian. So it was really helpful. And I guess from there, I didn't always have teaching in my mind, but I got to the end of my degree and went, well, what do I really want to do with this? I just want to share it with people because it's, look where it's taken me, this kid from the country, and I know how much of a door it can open up. And I just, yeah, went with it and haven't looked back. And so I've been doing Indonesian now since I was about 18 or 19. And, yeah, I'm not, I hate the word fluency. And it was only a few years ago where I was talking to someone about, like they said, oh, how well do you speak it? And I said, well, I don't know the word for shovel because I've never had to ask or use a shovel. And why would I need that? And I've now taught myself some of these words that I might use, but it's all like contextual stuff. Like most of the time we're not going to be saying, yeah, can I dig a hole? I need to dig a hole. Do you have a shovel? It's yeah. just more that, I guess, conversational. We, we know all the, the phrases and the topics that we usually talk about. So, yeah, I guess it's just about proficiency and having conversation and there's still gaps and there always will be and that's part of the joy of it yeah oh I couldn't you know that's just so well said <laughs> isn't it Beck that just it sums up so many conversations that we've had on the podcast about fluency and and contextual learning and you know focusing on what you need for your area of work or interest or, or whatever it is yeah um take us back to the year you spent in Malaysia after high school where did you go and were you in a like a regional rural area you in a big city and was there Chinese influence where you were as well or what was what was it like well again not the standard not the way the year panned out a different way to what I expected Um, the first family I was placed with we didn't always get along just for uh just lots of different reasons. Um, I think they didn't necessarily want to take someone on, but were kind of pressured by some people they knew, and it just didn't work out that way. They were a Chinese-speaking family. They were they were lovely, but in terms of their lifestyle and how it was working for them and for me, it wasn't really working. Didn't gel. Um, and then I moved to Ipoh, which is up sort of in the northern part, and. There's always a debate between people from Ipoh and people from Penang who has the better Chinese food. Um, mm-hmm. I think Ipoh does, but look, people <laughs> might call in and say, look, that's not true, but I don't care. Um, and the family I stayed most of the rest of the year with actually were Indian, but spoke English as their primary language, um, which was not easy in terms of developing language. But again, I guess it was a little bit easier in terms of not putting me out my comfort zone. Um, at school, I did Malay to a 
reasonable standard. Um, I got to the point where I sat exams and could read the question could read the answers but had no idea actually what the answer was. It's like section 20 of the Malaysian constitution says that in this situation, what happens? I'm like, mm-hmm, I don't know. Like, I, I know what all these things mean. I'll just guess. Um, but the tricky part of it was is my the class I was in, because I think they put me in year 11, even though I'd finished year 12, because the exam year was quite full on and they were like, well, you don't need to do that. Um, so most, pretty much, I think in my class there was no Malays. There were four Indians and the rest were Chinese, Cantonese speakers. Um, I can swear really well in Cantonese, uh, <laughs> and I know a little bit. But and they were all like, "Come on, you should be learning Cantonese." Go, come on, come on, come on. I'm like, "Yeah, but like the main language of instruction is Malay, and that's probably not." Um, polite to do and I need to be at school and it was really great like and having exposure to Tamil as well and some of the other Chinese languages and um, some of the different forms of Malay uh, was just amazing and my accent changed which is really really interesting because I came back to Australia and people were like you sound really different and I was like well of course I've been away for 11 months but going back to regional New South Wales and the thickness of that accent was I was like, wow, that's what I did sound like. And I'm, I'm sad in some ways that I did lose that because I think it'd be really great for someone to be, you know, giving a talk on physics and going, all right, guys, listen up, like with a really thick accent and it'd just be amazing to hear. But, um, yeah, I think Malaysia was just, yeah, it was that exposure I needed to the world. It wasn't not monolingual by any point and, yeah, amazing food, amazing people and, yeah, languages for, if you love languages, it's a great place to be. That's incredible. The diversity of languages in somewhere like Malaysia is, uh, like, I think for a language learner and people who are interested in languages, really something to be envious of. I think it's just, like, such a richness of linguistic culture. Yes. Um yeah, and it's like with you talking about all of the different um, languages that you had around you, especially among the people in your classes and as well as your host family as well. So how, in terms of actually getting a basis in Malay, was it really just being at school and having having the language around you in classes? You know, did you do any preparation before that that helped you to have the basics before you arrived? Was this really like in in kind of the purest terms, like just full jump in sink or swim immersion? Um, well, when I got my paperwork, they did send me like you know like one a Lonely Planet um, phrase book or something. I had a look through that and was probably butchering my pronunciation. So, but that's fine. You got to give it a go. Um, and I think it was just really, we had, and we had some intensives when we were there as well, but I think it was just that trying my very best to pick up as much as I could as quickly as possible. Um, I didn't mention my host family, even though spoke, they spoke English and they were Indian. They were also, um, two of them could speak Cantonese pretty much fluently because they, that's they're all their business partners and people around them were in, of the Chinese community and yeah it's just amazing like then you met I met some other people like in different short-term locations and they're like Hokkien speakers and different dialects of different Indian dialects and it was just yeah I was like I want to do all of these but I don't have time and I just don't have the brain capacity so but it's just yeah, it's great it's so it's 
you meet someone who's Indian but can speak English, Malay, um, Tamil, and yeah, one or two Chinese dialects, and just like that just blows my mind. And coming from very monolingual uh, region and monolingual society is just we just yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy that it's, we're so monolingual in, and it's still ingrained in a lot of Australia. It's changing, but and it's great to have those influences of people that do have multiple languages but yeah as a even you can see it in our government that's not valued having more than one language you're kind of seen as being a bit odd and it should just be accepted and should almost be the norm yep we hear you (laughs) yeah preaching Um, to the choir yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) when you finished up your exchange in malaysia and you came back to Australia, you went to uni. Yep. And so you enrolled, was that like a languages degree where you did Indonesian as a language or was that like an education? No, I did. Uh, I just did an Asian studies degree, which is like an arts Asian. degree just with an Asian focus. I did do an arts slash Asian studies degree. So I was also doing German at the same time, um, which was interesting. And I found German a lot harder because Indonesian – doesn't have genders, doesn't have, you know, it's tenses that work very differently. And I was getting into my German classes and turning to my person next to me and saying, Apakaba, and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, hang on a second. Oops. It's Tuesday. This is German, sorry, wrong class. <laughs> that So I and I just couldn't sustain it. I got sick, as like quite badly sick in my third year and didn't get the support from the arts faculty in missing a lot of my classes and I just cut it. So I ended up just finishing with an Asian studies degree. Um, It just, and it just, yeah, that was what I was really interested in and just love learning. I finished Indonesian. I still had a a semester or something because I was was a double degree. I was a bit longer. Um, So I also then did a semester of Japanese, which was just because I could. Why not? And yeah, I just went as many languages as I can try and get, I will try and do. But I also enjoyed just doing lots of just the Asian cultures and histories and societies. And that was just all incredible. And yeah, it's just, I don't know, again, going from someone who had no, very little exposure to Asia to just that's, you know, it seems more, less foreign to me than maybe Europe does. So. Yeah, amazing. So, when when you decided to do teaching, then what what was your what was your thinking there? Was it just so much that you enjoyed the actual language itself and you wanted to pass it on? Did you did you want to be able to bring that you know that enjoyment to other people, or were there other things that went through your mind in in wanting to become a teacher? Um, well, I finished my first degree and I went, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I want to do. Um, and like a lot of people, like so many other people too. Yeah, and like a lot of people, I kind of had education in my mind, but I wasn't sure. Um, but then I started working at an after-school, um, like care provider, and just really loved being around kids. And but not just that, like you know, just I don't know, it just seemed to fit really well. And I did my degree and struggled with aspects of it, and was got some really great advice from someone who was a really good mentor for me and I'm a bit of an introvert, a bit quieter, which 
doesn't always seem to gel with teaching. Um, but they said we need people like that. We need to have kids see that not everyone. We need those thoughtful, quiet ones to see there are people like them. And um, and I got some really great guidance, and I was lucky to have some really great mentors. And I didn't necessarily. I'm not trained as a languages teacher per se. I'm just trained as a primary school teacher. Um, because I didn't want to pigeonhole myself um, that early on. I had that, I guess, in my book saying, I just want to do it generally for a while, but I, I knew I'd eventually end up in Indonesian. Um, it just happened a little bit faster than I anticipated. Um, not having, going, having contracts and not having a job year to year and then getting called by, I think I was on my honeymoon and got back and got a call from a school saying, look, next week we want you to start in a high school doing Indonesian and I'm like um they luckily they couldn't see my face and I went you know what I've always been about giving stuff a go let's just do it and if it works it works if it doesn't then I've got other options at some point and so yeah I had just that started me doing Indonesian and I haven't really looked back since I think I've now been an Indonesian teacher for I don't know, it's about 10 years now. And I'm not, look, I, I've still got gaps in my knowledge. Like I said, I'm not trained with the methodologies and language acquisition. Um, but I think a lot of it for me is just knowing how kids, knowing my kids and building relationships and making them want to come on this journey with me because you can have all that knowledge and not have that rapport with the kids and they're not going to learn they're not going to want to do it so they you, want, could, you want to be able to share your passion with them and for them to feel excited and yeah. to you know yeah. feel that kind of passion back which I think yeah. you know just from even just from hearing you talk I think if I was you know a grade five kid in one of your classes I'd be like yeah maybe, maybe. <laughs> but maybe yeah yeah and it's, oh, probably I would <laughs> and, and my story as well like particularly when I was in high school I'd say that like I'd say to kids when they question why should we do a language, I'm like, because you just don't know where life will take you. And look at me. Like I'm a kid from not ex- no exposure to language and had this completely life-changing experience. I mean, I did seek that out. I think I was always the black sheep of the family in terms of I was always going to leave, not because I hated, like I love Dubbo and I love, that's my first home and it's still home, but for someone who, when you kind of clue on to the fact that there's a wider world out there, it, someone like me, it's a bit of a, it's too much of a draw card. So, yeah. Mm. And so, yeah, I just share that. Yeah. I just say, you just don't know where the world will take you. Yeah. I think that's really important and a really good kind of piece of advice to kids out there as well who are thinking, why should I bother? Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to ask you about you know, a student's perspective of learning Indonesian Um, because there, I feel like there's some, I've only done like a semester of Indonesian when I was at high school and I think Beck, we're similar, aren't we? Like, yep. Yep. (laughs) Um, And, you know, always in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, it's, you know, it's definitely a language up there that I really want to have a good crack at one time. And part of me is drawn to it because I think like you, David, because we've got this Asian languages kind of background, you know, there's an appeal for this language. And I want to know, is my thinking correct? Is 
is Indonesian, sometimes it's bandied around as being, oh, it's an easier language, you know, you should give it a go because it is one of the easier languages. Is that is that a myth or is it true? Um, <laughs> it's kind of true. I think, like, the school I'm at, we've had the Indonesian's been around there for ages. Like, I talked to parents who, like, I did it when I was attending that school and um, it is an interesting language in terms of motivations. It doesn't seem to have that cool factor that Japanese has, for example, where there's, you know, the lots of pop culture and the manga and the um, and even Korean now with lots of K-pop. It's got some of that cultural capital. It seems really cool. And Indonesian doesn't seem to have something like that. But someone who has lived, like done a lot there. There is a lot that's actually really cool about it. But I, I guess in terms, and also lots of the perceptions of Indonesia are not great. Um, you know, often when you hear about Indonesia, it's not good news. Um, and it doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't have that. It's not French as well. It doesn't have that, you know, this is a classical language and it's it it sits in a really interesting position. And yeah, it's perceived as being easy and not necessarily maybe as valued as to like oh, it's not it's a it's not it's not really it's just an easy thing to do it's not that hard, which I can tell you is not true. Um, it's easy the basics are easy, um, but the level that I'm at with it, I just go around in circles and. Once you get into some of the more advanced grammar and starting adding the suffixes and prefixes and slang, my goodness, the Jakarta slang is just, it's its own language now. And the way that people speak, and you can hear them say like part of a sentence in English, back to Indonesian, back to a third word, which might be constructed from Javanese, but it's not Javanese because it's slightly adjusted. So, and it's a really dynamic language. and what I what I would use is probably not current in some ways and I need to be there more and experience it. So yeah, I think it's a tricky one because it doesn't it, the, the perceptions of it are very varied. A lot of people who yeah have that passion for Asia, again it's it's still very different to learning Japanese or some one of the Chinese dialects as well. It's written in Roman script and it, I think it just sort of gets ignored as a language to learn and even indonesians are sort of like why why do you why do you learn this language and they get really surprised but also really happy and i think there is that movement there was a movement a while ago where it was seen to not be like a lot of indonesians weren't so proud of it but now there's a i think there's a massive groundswell be like yeah you know this is us and this is our identity and english is still really really important and it's still being learned a lot and there are some Jakartans whose English would be their first language and Indonesian would be a second or third and that's not a bad thing either like this Indonesians are so they play with their language like nothing I've seen like we we think Australians love our abbreviations and chopping our language up we've got nothing on Indonesians do with their language and it's beautiful but it's immensely frustrating and it's just amazing. So, yeah. It, and as a teacher, I guess, because I'm primary school, it's I see my kids once a week and I try and inst- I try and break down some of those stereotypes. Like, you know, 
No, not all Indonesians are poor. In fact, some of them have better houses than anything you've ever seen in Australia. Um, Indonesians are not terrorists. They're, uh, they're a vibrant modern society. It's, you know, one of the world's largest um, cities users of Twitter is Jakarta. Um, they're so, Jakarta is just, it's a massive modern city and you've, it's just fighting those stereotypes and just exposing them to Indonesia is not this one identity it's hundreds of linguistic groups hundreds of different cultural groups and yeah you could get you could spend your lifetime exploring it and still have so much to ask and so much to to learn yeah I'm still a novice really yeah, <laughs> especially um, I guess because you are a primary school teacher. How do you find like you've just mentioned some of I guess the challenges of um, making sure that kids understand that places aren't just based on their stereotypes. Like there are of course like very lots of differences and really enriching things about cities and places all around the world. Um, how do you find that the kids react in your classes to? like learning another language, learning Indonesian? Do you think that they're interested? What do they find fun? Um, how do you engage them? It's a great question. And I think for me, I'm just, I just be me. Um, we get caught up in, you can't please everyone. You can't walk into a room and click with 25 different people it's just not possible so I just go in and be myself I wear my heart on my sleeve and I know that for some kids they don't love that and some kids do and I do try and give that extra effort to the kids that need that little bit extra support or try and break it down in a different way Um, but some kids just hate it and that's just they're not I love sound they don't. They might have perceptions from home. They don't have the value of of any education at home, let alone learning a language. Um, so many different challenges, but it's so rewarding. And, you know, seeing little kids coming up, knocking on my window and saying like, up a cover or sell them up buggy is just really great. Like that they, that they can feel confident and comfortable in using it. I guess in terms of connecting with the kids again it just it's different like my days I teach from kindergarten all the way through the year six and so kindergarten's very much like song and dance show and tell year six still does that as well but they've also got a lot of questions where we they ask about things that I can actually explain to them and it's also cute because some kids think I am Indonesian because they're like like why like they don't get it it doesn't compute you speak this language but you don't look Indonesian, but what's going what's going on here? Like, how does this work? And I'm like, well, no, I am Australian and I love my country. And we talked about this so with Harmony Day and I said, but I've just had this opportunity to be exposed to another part of the world and it's also really important to me and really I just want to share it with you because it's amazing. And we do have a lot of – we're quite lucky. We have a lot of families that do go to Bali. Um, I try and say, look, there's more. Bali's great, but there's more. <laughs> go to Borobudur. Go. I bet I had some. My son's school actually. He has a friend, and they got back, and they just went to Indonesia for like oh, a few weeks, and they went to Komodo. And I was like, oh my god, I'm so so happy and so impressed, and realizing that. And Bali is an important part, and that gets a lot of people drawn in. But again, 
it's such a diverse place that a lot of people go to Bali and go, I've been to Indonesia. And it's like, well, no, because Bali is culturally very different um, to lots of other parts of Indonesia. And it's like coming to Australia and saying, oh, yeah, I've been to Sydney and everything. I don't need, I've been to Bondi. I don't need to go anywhere else. I've been to Australia, right? And it's like, well, no. It, it's the same anyway. You've got to just be open to keep exploring and keep learning. But, yeah, and I think my best friends in my teaching journey, I have two puppets. They're orangutans. They're one's naughty, one they're like the devil and the angel on the shoulder. One's like, go ahead, like be really silly today and like throw things around, jump around, distract the kids. The other one's like, no, 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 don't do that. They're gonna learn. And so like one of them has like, I say, are you really like ready to help out today? And he nods along, and then when I look away, he goes, no. And the kids all laugh, and it's really great because I met some kindy parents today and they're like oh our kids love your class and they always come home and they talk about bunga bunga is one of the puppets and i'm like yeah look i know that there's a pecking order that popularity is one bunga two mera and three me so but they're kind it's good because you know yeah i'm in my place but it's really great because i use them as i said before i'm not that typical what you might have in mind as a teacher but they have different aspects of my personality like i'm one is very shy and reserved and if there's a lot of noise she doesn't like to come out she's very meek and we need to ease her into things and i try and have them as reflections of the kids as well like you know who else is shy who else needs a little bit of time to come out of their shell and we talk about why that's not a bad thing it's just a different thing um and the naughty one i used to model behaviors of things as, as well at school it comes along and he'll hit the other one and we're like no we don't do hitting at school and the kids laugh and i say well look we shouldn't laugh because they're hitting and orangutans still need to learn how to behave at school and just and, and that i use them to provoke lots of questions so like we took some of my year twos are talking about things they like and i'm like oh bunga doesn't like ice cream and they're like what who doesn't like ice cream i'm like well he's an orangutan he doesn't eat people food because it's not made for him and the kids and then some of the kids like look at me like dead serious and they're like you know it's a puppet right and i'm like what are you talking about no like we have this thing called imagination we need to yes like i don't admit that it's a puppet but they like they know obviously like i'm not a very good ventriloquist they can tell it's my mouth moving but um it's just again just a way to be fun and zany and i think if i didn't have them it would make my job a bit harder so i was grateful that they were there when i turned up and yeah they've and 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 bunga also likes to hide from my kindergarten so every lesson we spend five minutes looking for him and i say oh you know he loves like and they're like is he hiding is he hiding i'm like i don't know i left the room to pick you up he could have in that two minutes gone and hidden I, I don't know and obvious <laughs> Damien I think I, I, I think I want to come to your kindy oh, class yeah. after this and possibly for the benefit of all of our listeners we might need um, to get you to share with us a photo of um, of the puppet oh look well. I've we got a cut yeah and sometimes they dress up they put my like they I come in and they've got my sunglasses and hat on or they've got like one one time on my computer, they were sitting at my desk looking at Google images of bananas. Cause, and like, I was like, yeah, that's fine. So yeah, it's a way to sometimes bring out parts of my personality as well. But lots of valuable language lessons. Like if the kids are using too much English, Bunga's like, I don't understand you. I I don't. You need to talk to me. Talk to him in Indonesian because it's his first language and his English is not great. 
So it's a good way of sort of encouraging that as well. And I think in a primary school, because I see my kids once a week, I'm very, I move very slowly. And look, we have a curriculum and I do follow it, but not to the speed that I think that maybe is expected. I've been doing lots of reading about memory and I know that in a week you forget 90 about 90% of what you've learned if you don't do if you don't do any reinforcing um and I think that's really helped a lot with me like I dabble look I love languages and my problem is I look I look at another language and go mm, that sounds really cool and then my the angel on this side goes yes but when do you have time to do all these things you've also got a family and you've got like other interests when are you going to I'm like that's fair and I get caught up like I um even con like conlangs like um made up languages and i'm just like yep um and i'm trying to yeah do like personal study and and spanish is my current one and then wiradjuri is another one that i've kind of been dabbling in and i did yeah dabbled in ukrainian for the uh, the dabble challenge last year and it's so much fun but it's so time consuming but i think it's opened my eyes to I don't think I could do a course where it's just go once a week, come back next week, because that's not how we learn. I, I, and it's actual science that our memories don't let us work like that. Um, single words are pointless. you got to do chunks. We can remember a certain amount of things, and it's not just words, it's actual chunks. So instead of just saying eat, being able to say I like to eat or he eats, is much better than just having that word in isolation um and it, and it's challenging for kindies because they don't write or read very well yet and so and they're still learning their f- first language and so i part of me doesn't want to interfere with that too much but also i'm like well, but they can do both and i know that i come in sometimes and pick them up and they're learning their letters and they're doing a and it's like what sound does A make? And I'm like, well, in English, it's kind of like, how many different sounds? And so I do talk to kids about in Indonesian. Generally, it's one sound. Um, it's much more phonetic than English. Um, kids, the funniest one I always get is um, Puck Bolton. Because like, Puck is Mr. And I, I get called Mr. Puck Bolton or Puck Mr. Bolton or Mr. Mr. Bolton. I'm like, as long as you don't care. Like, but they say, oh, what's my name in Indonesia? I said, it's still the same. Brands and things like that. <laughs> if your name's James, it's still James. We don't, that, it doesn't get changed. But yeah, and it's, it's just great working with kids. They ask the best questions. They get you thinking about your own journey as a language learner and you can see the struggles. And I often talk about that as well with them. And I say like, you know, guys, I'm currently learning, trying to teach myself Spanish and these are the, these are the challenges I'm facing. And the ones that are very resistant, I'm like, I get it. I do get it. Like I grew up in this environment where not that it wasn't necessarily valued, but it just, there wasn't, there was very limited exposure. Like we didn't do, I didn't do a language at primary school at all, except for like sometimes Latin stuff in having to know that. And at high school, I think I did semesters of French and Japanese and then didn't do anything after year eight. And but one or two, I tried to con some mates into doing French for year 11 and 12, and we missed out by two to have an actual num- 
the numbers for classes, but I don't know what I was thinking because I don't know we would have been, we wouldn't have been very good at it anyway. Um, yeah, it's just it's just fun, and I just I want them to have an appreciation of languages. Not, and I say to a lot of my U6s, because um, I know we were, there was talk of pathways. There's not a direct pathway for a lot of my kids. They leave my school, and chances are they won't do Indonesian. But I want them to to say be open minded to any language, and try and give them some of those skills that they need that they can apply to any language as well so you know lots of repetition lots of you know talk to yourself you might people might think you're crazy but that kind of helps a lot and there's so many things that we can do that just get that we can apply to any language learning situation i want them just to have that love of learning about new things new places new people new languages new words new sounds all of that stuff Really well said, Damien. I think uh-huh. if you can instill that kind of thinking in, in all the kids at your school, then they're left in pretty good stead to, to make the rest of their decisions about hopefully learning other languages in life or at least appreciating them, even if um, even if they don't have the same opportunities to learn, yeah. you know, Indonesian and I, and or th- changes to another language. And I think for me as well, like you sometimes as a teacher want to make a difference to everyone. And I think sometimes if it's just one, um, if I get one kid that just is super passionate about it and ends up pursuing it and gets to where I am and that's that would just make me so happy and that would be that's the that's the goal. But if I can get all of them to at least be more open minded, that's also really that's a win. If I can get some of them to yeah, say, oh, look, I'm not interested in Indonesian but I'm my family background is this or I'm yeah, I'm really interested in like k-pop and i want to learn korean like then i say to them that's fantastic just because that's the thing another thing with language learning is motivation and forcing having compulsory languages is great because it means i have a job but it's also not great because we're kind of ignoring their own community backgrounds they might be from a non-english speaking or not english as a first language background and that cultural language that they've got there's not really valued or accounted for in any way and or kids that are just drawn to other languages for whatever reason again ideally we'd love to be able to work with that and nurture that and encourage it so yeah i hope that from you know their experience with you that their journey through high school is you know such an open kind of you know Hit it to me, teachers, I'm ready for it because they've had this kind of, you know, open learning um, start from you from a language perspective. I think that's that's really nice. Yeah, so you should be pat yourself on the back. Job well done. Uh, <laughs> you hope so. And it's nice yeah. to, to <laughs> have that period of reflection, you know, and to have to think, oh, well, at least, you know, making a difference, you know, in a small way is a really a big, a big thing. So, yeah, and it should be. Proud. Oh, but I, like I said, I love it, and I just I hope I keep doing it for a long time. And I just I don't know it. I'm and I'm lucky that I'm in a supportive school and have a supportive parent community. And it's I don't know. I've been in situations where that hasn't been the case, and it's been really hard. And you know, you've got parents to the point where they're like if you make my kid do Indonesian I'll withdraw them from this school and 
that's hard to deal with as well and 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 sometimes that's based on very legitimate reasons um I know after the Bali bombings, for example, there was a lot of antipathy towards Indone- all things Indonesia. And look, I get it, but again, um, like I personally know someone that was involved that passed away in that attack. And look, I said, look, it's it was not reflective of the whole country, and it's the same as you know we've got people doing Nazi salutes currently in Melbourne, and that's not reflective of our wider society it's reflective of a small group of loud people who want to cause trouble and that shouldn't be we shouldn't be holding that against an entire group of people an entire language an entire um city country culture whatever yeah that's exactly right yes well, Damien, thank you so much for speaking with us today. It is a pleasure to hear about your experiences um, with both learning and teaching and I guess how the Indonesian and, sorry, actually your experience in Malaysia um, has really changed, I suppose, probably the course of the rest of your, the course of the rest of your life Yeah, I'd probably be still learning European languages and probably still loving it, but yeah, like complete 360 and I'd just can't look back now i mean i still yeah like i said i'm trying to learn spanish and i still go back and look at my german stuff and and they're all like it's just all interesting and i just wish i had that i almost wish i was in the matrix sometimes where i could plug that thing in and go like where he goes now i know kung fu i'm like now i know like you know ukrainian and just be off on my way but i'm someone who all this ai like i've i do use ai for indonesian it's really great fun but the people who say, oh, we don't need to know anything because we can just use technology, I'm like, it's not nuanced enough. It's not at that point yet where it can replace actually learning. And I'm someone who loves the journey, not just being able to look at my phone and say, I want to get a taxi to here and then have it just pop up. I want to be able to do that on my own. It's like self-driving cars. I like driving. I don't want that. I want to experience it all yeah i feel like we we are two of the people who will most agree with you on this one here that it's all about the actual it's it's kind of the journey um with learning it is not just about the actual being able to produce something that makes sense it's why and how and and everything that you get out of that experience that is satisfying right yeah yeah and learning as well about how strange english is as a language and i often use that yes. with my kids too because we look at like in my house in indonesian is house my so rumah saya and they're like that's so odd and i'm like well actually english is kind of the odd one and odd different doesn't mean good or bad it's di- it's just different right so but yeah and learning about english my own like my my first language has been a joy and realizing that i'm thankful that i don't have to learn english as in it's just there and i mean yeah it's just i don't know it's a very difficult language to have to try and learn and then when you add in the australianisms that we like to throw in they're like what's this arvo you talk about what's happening what's arvo what's what's the sanger what what is this weird thing and you're like well it's just a part of the language yeah. It's just how we make it fun yeah. for everyone, right? Yeah. And yeah we're just making it um, fun. <laughs> I was just going to say, Damien, if anyone's listening and 
you're happy yep. to let them know? Is there somewhere that people can get in touch with you or follow you on social or do you have somewhere? I don't. I don't. That's fine. That is fine. Yeah, I don't really do Twitter. <laughs> I don't do Twitter. I don't have an active – I don't do Instagram. I mean, I think I have a login, but I – How much time you save? Uh, well, yeah, but I, I think I have a login so I can follow other people, but I don't. Yeah. I'm not active on any of those things. Um, I guess if people have questions, they can direct it through, maybe through totally. you guys. They can um, direct it through to us. Yeah, and yeah. And then we will yeah. and then I can, send it to you yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's not – it's just not necessarily a – a personal thing or anything it's just i don't like you said it's just time and i could be using that time learning languages right so I know. yeah absolutely yes. right and if you do so the way that we got in touch with damien as well is that actually you're a member of our facebook community I am. um the language lovers au community so if you would also like to join in the conversation there and um, perhaps chat with some other like-minded language lovers um, in Australia or Australians abroad, then um, please do look for that on Facebook and you can join us. It, all. Yeah, yeah, do it. Do it. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Aww, thanks, heaps, right. Damien. Really appreciate you giving up your time to speak. No, thank, thanks, Benny and Vec. It has been really great and a pleasure as usual. So, yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Language Chats. If you'd like to find out more about us and what we do, then you can go to our website at www.languagelovers.com.au. You can also find us in the normal internet places. We're on Facebook, Language Lovers AU, and also on Instagram, languagelovers.au. Um, if you'd also like to get involved in the conversation a little bit more, um, we have a Facebook community um, and you can find our group at Language Lovers AU Community. We would love to see you there. And don't forget you can subscribe to Language Chat so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you have a quick 30 seconds, we would love it if you could leave us a rating and review. We read every comment and we love hearing from you. Please don't forget to share the episode with other language learners that you know who might find some value in our chat today. And we can't wait until the next episode. See you then. See you next time.